Hey, it's right. Arl Knots Podcast, Episode Five. Welcome, <laughs> welcome. Uh, this is Craven, and I'm Radio Man. Radio I'm Man, Zach. Zach. Uh, and welcome to Episode Five of the podcast. Today we are going to be discussing Episode Five, our process of the with Star it. Wars. Uh, episode Five of the Star Not Wars the podcast of the. Star conflict, star confrontation, con- star confrontation, star confrontation. We'll be discussing a bunch of stuff about that. That was Panaka, right? Star confrontation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we will be uh, discussing some films and shows that we've seen. So, yeah, we'd like to start out by just giving a huge thanks to uh, everybody that helped us out with this episode. We had some incredibly talented people, some old friends from some previous episodes, and some new people. As always, we had David Bizarro on the visual effects for us. He's amazing, and he was also a couple characters. Anthony and Gruber came back as Han Solo and Obi-Wan and a couple other characters. We had a new guy in it doing The Emperor and uh, DJ Dooku. He's, we just found him. His name is Matthew Gell. Silver Latomi, who is our Princess Leia and Padme, she she's amazing. We've worked she's with her our, for, since way back in the beginning. the beginning. She's filled the shoes of Alana Glazer, who is our original female support character but she uh she moved on to to big things yep <laughs> she's too cool for us now <laughs> silver is also too cool for us but she continues to rule as the uh the female portion silver's, of our Star Wars. silver's awesome uh and then jc powers who is a longtime friend and uh sort of honorary arl not came in strong with the ultimate front 242 angry belgium guy yeah he's bel he's or just of ambiguous european origin you may recognize him from uh the skittles the skittles ad we made <laughs> yep that's that's jc uh he's the bomb then john wilson who is another friend justin silverman of course from silvermania it's always he, a pleasure he, to have him he loves christmas he lo- <laughs> he loves christmas and his boy uh tony tony yep you already, did you already do Tony? The didn't do Tony. Those guys do they they do the Cuddle Pile podcast. There we go. And hack the movies. So those are all those are a bunch of the guests. We had a couple other cameo peeps pop in, which was you know fantastic. So thanks to everybody for for helping us make it what we consider uh, one of our one of our greatest episodes, and things that we've done to this day. I think we we really had a, a blast making episode five. I hope everybody is who was waiting for it has seen it by now. You know, the comment section is just lit up with a lot of great energy with people really seem to be liking the album that we released, um, which we're totally stoked about, which has the Angel Spit remix on there. Yeah, we, uh, we, we've we done some remixes before, but they were more like viewers that approached us who were interested in collaborating and working on some of our stuff. This is the first time we really reached out to someone else and... Uh, to try to, to gauge interest in the, the music community uh, on remixing some of our stuff. And so we were, Craven had actually seen Angel Spit in concert pr- recently. And we were, I was like, you know, what if we'd ask that guy if, if it's possible? And so we figured what the hell, threw it out there, and he was completely down. Yeah. Uh, Zug Von Rock from Angel Spit is the man. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, we saw him perform live at, at uh, we used to be Slake in New York City with uh, Revolting Cox. It was pretty awesome. So we've been getting a lot of incredible feedback, and we were we were really excited to release this episode because we we really love it. The process on this one was a little bit different from the previous one. It was a little more streamlined, but you know sometimes these episodes they take so much work and they can maybe burn you out a little bit. 
But at the end of this episode, when we were done, we just felt great about it and we didn't feel burnt out at all. We felt kind of energized by it. So we're probably gonna move into episode six sooner rather than, rather than later so we can just continue the momentum on this thing and, and get it done. Yeah, we're not looking for that year plus turnaround. It will like not be a year. In fact, I think we're thinking something around maybe like the summer yeah, the summer be, release. That'd be hype. Yeah. And um, this, this was a kind of a, the feedback was encouraging also because we spent a lot of time like building this up as like our favorite episode so far. And it's, you know, it's, we're just like, okay, we've put that out there that we've claimed this as our favorite episode. We're hoping that people feel the same way or don't feel there were a few comments where people were like I don't understand what happened here like some of this stuff was like not what they were expecting but that's always kind of strange for us because it's like what were you expecting you know it's like we can't <laughs> yeah we can't fulfill everyone's expectations and then satisfy everyone on the same level it's like some, right. there are going to be some people that are just it's it's hard it's hard to gauge what people were expecting you know they, when they see like yeah yeah they're like they just assume now from like every time there's a lightsaber fight that it's going to be the same type of dance battle and it's like but isn't that going to get old for you like if if we just do the same tricks every time without any sort of like if like evolution on the formula or like it's like I feel like they would be upset by that too so it's sure yeah no that's a good point I, I think um there's always that balance when you're making something like this or a sequel to a film or anything of trying to do what the first one did right without aping it completely while trying to innovate it's a crazy process to do sequels to something and I mean, in a way, it's kind of funny for us because we're we're making sequels to a thing that already has a set. <laughs> it has a set formula with a set story. So we saw one comment that was hilarious to us because it was like, this episode was really predictable. And that that, that cracks me up because, first of all, none of the jokes are predictable. I mean, you might expect There's it. There's no way. But, I mean, Creepio, yes, you know that Creepio is going to have a meltdown at some point. You know, he's going to be insane because that's the character and... But but I don't know how the certain jokes could be predictable. Like anybody who saw a Christmas parade coming, like we'll give you, we'll just give you, we'll send you a package of cookies. Like tell us, tell us you saw that coming. I don't. But, they didn't explain but, how it was predictable but, either. They're no, just they, like, they did. They, oh, they, did they? they? Yeah. Okay. It was the idea was that it was predictable because there are certain plot points. <laughs> Like, like you, you know that Han and Leia and C-3PO and Chewbacca, like, have to get to, to Cloud City because that's what happens in the film. Like, we're, like, we're like bound it, by what happens in the film. So <laughs> we th those things have to happen So, like, in it's some just form. so weird. He's like, it was predictable that, that Creepio and Han were going to be together. It's like, yeah, we all saw the same movie. What are you talking about? Like, were yeah. our, but were our jokes predictable? Like, I can't believe like, you, there's a, there's you a, saw <laughs> a, a, a dance fight from Clone Wars. <laughs> Coming in as a flashback, like you did not yeah. see that coming. I don't care who you are. There's there's a limit. Maybe we can actually talk about our, our process a little bit because we've gotten a lot of questions about about the episodes and sort of how we work. And this might be a good opening for us yeah. to discuss the process. You know, there are limitations on what we can do, but in in terms of changing the context, but we we really try to push it as as far as we can while still maintaining a certain core coherency to our the story that we're we're telling, and we're sometimes we're worried that we won't be able to continue our own story arcs because of those limitations because of the films because of the films but but so far we've been kind of lucky and we try to get as nutty as possible and so what we what, what we're what we're doing is we're obviously using a lot of editorial tricks and audio mixing to rearrange things and you would be surprised at how many things we have completely and utterly switched around in the edit to make certain scenes work. 
we tend to break things up into three general areas. One is jokes that are visually gag-oriented, such as the AT-ATs dressed up like reindeer or Lando changing the radio station. Scenes that are dialogue-driven, and then scenes that are off-the-wall like the dance fights. The dialogue scenes are probably the most tricky because you're doing things such as matching lip flap and moving the story along with coherent dialogue. So the way we start with those is that we will lay down entire scenes beforehand that we know are going to be essentially about a certain thing like Vader and the Emperor are going to have a conversation. So we lay down the dialogue for that scene and then go back in and we make the edit work around the dialogue. Which involves a lot of like tricks that hopefully are seamless, which like especially it's easier when characters don't have mouths like Vader where you can you can loop certain clips back and forth over and over again to try to drag that scene on as right. long as you need it to be in order to get all those jokes in there. So you'll see Vader in a scene that uh, that looks longer than it actually was. And you know, we did the same kind of thing with Matthew McConaughey back in the L- that that Lincoln um existential crisis video. Yeah, lots That's of clips. That's a 30-second video and we dragged it out to like a 3-minute video for th- using the same tricks. And sure. It's, it's a big source of our like our our core ability to make these other stories out of something that you know already exists right and then and then we and then what we'll do is depending on the lip flap of certain characters or whatever limitations we might have on that end we may go back and tweak the dialogue within the scene uh to better fit so it's this constant back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until finally it feels snappy and the scene is moving correctly at the right pace the jokes hit Uh, and sometimes we're adding jokes at like the very last minute like like we added a joke uh maybe hours before we uploaded the yeah the, of uh, uh of vader screaming you're a you're a maniac duke yeah which, for some reason without that line the scene it just ended on two like it was it's weird what a difference that like kind of thing makes and we're like we and yeah we keep tweaking when we could tweak forever like there's always things that were like even afterwards we're like ah oh, we could yeah. have added that but that that line in particular is like i feel is like it just feels like it ends it just ends like there's no like uh levity being brought back into the situation. It seems all very serious. So just that one line added, and it just it immediately sounded like, felt way better to both of us. Yeah, and it made us really laugh really hard <laughs> when that line went in there. Because um, that's what you do. If you're with a friend and they're just being crazy, and you're like, you're kind of, you know, you maybe you're like kind of messed up, whatever, and you have a one friend who's kind of doing daredevil stuff, and you're just like, man, you're a maniac, dude. <laughs> like if they don't die, that's the only sort of like way you could kind of like resolve that situation to, for yourself. You're right. like, man, you're crazy. You just, yeah, right. That's the only way internally you can you can sort of make sense of it. Yeah, that, and there so so there are a lot of uh, f- funny things going on editorially that take quite a bit of of work to make them seamless. You know, we have we we, we remove things from the scene. Uh, sometimes we're looping a lot of things. Sometimes you'll see a clip where there's a loop in the footage so that we can buy some time for dialogue, but the loop is happening, but something else in the scene is always moving forwards. Like smoke drifting will always be drifting in the right direction while the character in the scene is sort of slowly rocking back and forth as the (laughs) the scene loops. So we try to make those things as seamless as possible so that you're not your attention isn't drawn away from what's most important to us, which is the comedy 
and the flow of the scene. You know, we don't want to draw attention to things like looping scenes and. Well, like a great example, I think one of the most obvious loops is Han Solo in that weird torture dentist chair, whatever that thing is. It's still not clear what that thing does, but <laughs> it um, never was. I, and I saw comments in the in the in the on the video that were like, "I knew that thing didn't do anything." It was, uh, <laughs> but that was like a, a, a maybe ten seconds of footage, you know, and it's like that. So it's obvious that. Han jerking back and forth was just looped over and over again. He only jerked like twice, I think, in that in that scene right. originally. So it was, yeah, that's a, that's one where it's like, and then like Vader just pushing these like bad jokes through was to kind of distracting you from the fact that that was just a, a kind of a painfully obvious loop. And sometimes those loops are funny. Like sometimes the fact that it is an obvious loop makes it funny uh, on yeah. its own. Yeah, it, like the it, dance fights, like all the dance fights. Well, the are dance like, fights, are... we're, we're wearing it on our sleeve. You know, we're like, this is about loops. <laughs> you know, which uh, you know, it started off with the idea of looping things and mirroring things. All kind of began with the fight, that excellent fight from Phantom Menace, which, while it was a beautiful fight, it felt like really overly choreographed to us. And sometimes it looked more like they were dance moves rather than f- legitimate fight uh, motions. So there was sort of a gag there. And also there was something kind of fun about how in The Phantom Menace, George Lucas, for some reason, in like a lot of the Star Wars films, he just would like put the camera down on sticks in this static shot and the camera isn't moving. So you're going to see a lot of the difference, I think, in when Rogue One comes out, because even in the trailer, you see a lot of like on the ground handheld stuff. And it's going to be a, a yeah, totally it's not really it's not going to feel like Star Wars just because of that. And it's going to be interesting to to see how people identify with that as a Star Wars film. Yeah, we're Gareth Edwards fans too. So, yeah. and uh, Kathleen Kennedy has said that this is going to be a very different kind of Star Wars film that feels more intimate. It's uh, you know, a war film. Being the first standalone film that's not part of the main storyline, there's freedom for the directors to inject their own style into it a bit more, which is really refreshing and, and kind of awesome. So we're really looking forward to that. It'll be interesting too for us if we if a lot of people are asking us if we plan on on doing the the side stories. It'll be interesting because part of like George Lucas's insistence on using sticks actually helps us loop things a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> With this camera moving around and being like all handheld and it's they're gonna they're making it they're gonna make it challenging for us to mess with that footage. <laughs> yeah, pl- exactly. The visual language is entirely different. Uh, we had a tough time moving from the prequels to the the original films because of that. Uh, and episode four was sort of some of those growing pains for us was moving over to that other style. Um, but we feel like we really sort of caught, caught the flow with episode five in, in a sort of big way, and we're ready to <laughs> jump into six. Uh, we have this story worked out for six. We still haven't figured out a lot of the gags yet. A lot of those come when we get into the edi- editorial stage. We start finding a bunch of jokes there. But uh, but we have the basic outline of the story, and we kind of all we already know how it's going to end. So we you can expect a satisfying, good piece of comedy. I think with episode six. Yeah, and there's also there's a side story that we didn't talk about before. Uh, in, in regards to the the, the music number, I know number. where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah. I know where you're. This was we this. we actually meant to talk about this, but now it's like it's kind of appropriate again because the episode is now out and you've seen the sort of result of this moment. So there's a flashback that Yoda embarks on, and he he actually invokes scenes from Episode Two, and he's like, "This is what happened to us in our heyday," and it's like a totally 
over the top tribute to like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and Mortal Kombat's like biggest hit is the song Techno Syndrome from an album. A lot of people don't know this. There was an album before the Mortal Kombat film came out called Mortal Kombat. And it was by a group called the Immortals, which is like a, a an assembly of pretty well established producers and DJs. Like Praga Khan is one of the main dudes yeah, there. And yeah. He's like done work with like Lords of Acid and he like goes back and it was such a strange album. It's like it's like every track on the album is about one of the characters in yeah. the game. So it like and and it, and, it, and it's a weird album because a lot of the times they struggle to come up with things to talk about with each character. And so they just make up a bunch of weird like Sonya Blade is straight up about her move set as a character. They're like I shoot sonic rings and I flip backwards. Yeah, it's not even, it's worse than that. It's even about like the buttons that you press on the, on the, on the, the controller. Like press forward, so. back, up and down. And I flip and take you down. And then there's this weird redundancy of lyrics because since they're just working off video game characters, and they didn't, I don't think they had that well-established history at this point. I mean, they did in the video game, but it wasn't the same rich world of Mortal Kombat the, that we The Mortal today. Kombat world is so, insanely deep, but at that time, it was just like you could only guess at what was going on with these characters. Yeah, so they, so they, they have lines like, uh, Raiden's not afraid to die because Raiden cannot die. Right, because <laughs> he's a god. He's Raiden, a mortal. Yeah, he, it, Raiden's not afraid. Because Raiden cannot die. Yeah, and then, which is a stupid reason and then there's like to have an song. absence of fear. Like I use cheat codes, so obviously I'm not afraid of the consequences. another song about a different character where they use the same lyric yeah Johnny, Johnny Cage. Cage is not afraid to die so it's been my ongoing quest to expose people to this insane world of the Mortal Kombat album and so for some reason, so I, a, a, a couple months ago, Craven and I went to this festival in Portland called EXO. We talked about it a little bit on, on previous podcasts, but there was a, some downtime. And during that downtime, we were just in the hotel room and we're both like trying to, we're getting older. We're trying to stay fit. So we're like, we got to do our workout, man. We got to work out. We got to push ourselves to do this, even though we don't feel like it. We're, you know, we're kind of on vacation. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to push ourselves, but we did it. We pushed ourselves to work out. And we did a workout. <laughs> so we're together in this hotel room, like God. doing burpees, playing the Mortal Kombat album in the background. <laughs> it was totally at a weird moment. And we were like, we're just like sucking wind, like just in pain because this, this workout was actually kicking our asses. And we're like, man, we got to do some Mortal Kombat shit in our next episode. <laughs> and so we came up yeah. with this whole like like idea of how we could it, it like that introduce this Mortal Kombat 
insanity into the stars to the star wars world we built and so that was it <laughs> you saw it yeah it, it, i can't I, one of the ideas was to always go back to the the Gen, geonosis fight because uh well th- th- so this is interesting we get a lot of really uh well considered comments a lot of funny comments from viewers a lot of really brilliant uh you know, witty, witty comments from people. And we love that stuff. We really pay attention to the comment section. So when people are offering uh, their perspectives, we really pay attention, which is why we appreciate well-considered comments. And we, we take criticism too. We, we don't love comments that, that are just like, you suck, you know? Yeah. But, let me, but, yeah, let me fine, just get but, that out of there. Cause we actually did like, we try not to respond to negative comments. First of all, cause we don't want to encourage that kind of like, that's how you get us like how that's how you get our attention it's not we pay we we may not respond to every comment but we read them all and if you're just out here like you suck work on the thing that i want you're gone like we don't we don't need you around like that's if you have genuine constructive criticism we are more than happy to hear it but if you have no reason for why you're just being mean like we don't need you we don't need that kind of negativity around yeah get out of here get out of here get out of here Get over here. Get over get down to here. the timeout box. Yeah. <laughs> it's all scorpions lines. Yeah, get 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 down here. You can make from scor- the Mortal Kombat film was my favorite. Get down here. Well, they can make scorpions say whatever they want as long as it was phrased within as those get and then a get direct, somewhere then here. here. <laughs> as long as you started with get and ended with here, scorpion <laughs> can say whatever you My brothers and I used to make fun of that. We were like, get cookies over here. <laughs> So going back, going back. Um, so a comment that we got a long time ago with episode two was, so somebody was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you you missed the the Geonosis Jedi fight," you know, and we make a lot of decisions editorially to to move the story along, and and you know we already had a musical number in that one, and we just didn't want to overload it, and you can see what happens when you start to overload things you get to like a 40 minute 50 minute video and we just can't we can't do that so we left it out for editorial reasons not necessarily thinking that we would go back but but the thing that's the thing that we've had we've always held up as our philosophy with these is you know just making fun of the prequels as much as as possible while still sort of being uh, having a certain reverence so when we went into the the new films we we kept thinking how can we continue to make fun of the pre i'm sorry when we went into the older uh the original series, trilogy, the, original trilogy yeah. uh, the the question was how can we continue to make fun of the prequels so that's where it was like oh let's have yoda recall you know if, you things know, that george lucas said retroactively happened <laughs> right and then the mortal Kombat thing kind of came down on top of that as a funny joke to happen within that so it was like the jedi fight can now be like the mortal Kombat theme song and we can start to make jokes about those characters and and you know there there are certain decisions that we make for for resourcefulness like the idea that duke just knows yoda he just yeah. knows he just knows who he is because why why wouldn't he he you know he has a relationship with Yoda before he even goes down goes down there to see him yeah Yoda's so just a dude food. you know that he's just, he's a charity case for Duke and I don't think anybody had a problem like bridging that gap <laughs> they were just on board with it right away he's just like of course like yeah. he's just this known creep that lives on the fringes of wherever you know it's like swamp world yeah somebody left a comment recently that was really really hilarious so mystic saxophone left an amazing comment 
uh, what would be the point of them fighting? We were ta- he was talking about the the a potential dance fight for uh, Anakin and Duke at the end of Episode Five. Um, he said, uh, what would be the point of them fighting? It was uh, an amazing heartfelt moment where a work-fatigued father with a neglecting daughter finds a way to correct his possible misgivings as a parent to cheer up and bond with his almost nephew who is struggling to find a decent father figure. <laughs> that that comment just totally cracked us up because that is essentially what we were going for, but... Um, he worded it way better than we ever. Yeah, could have. like that. That wording is is amazing because then in that context, you can say that Duke knows Yoda and he's sort of hanging out with Yoda, and maybe he's sort of looking for a father figure and he can't find one in anybody. He yeah, certainly he's... didn't have one in Owen. Owen, who we sort of portrayed as sort of a, a degenerate, uh, <laughs> deadbeat dad, de- deadbeat, yeah. deadbeat dad kind of thing. Um, he doesn't have one in in Obi Wan, and and then there's Yoda. So. That's uh, so. Thanks, Mystic Saxophone, yeah, for dropping Mystic that Saxophone amazing came, comment. He came to our defense too, because one of the, the original comment he was replying to was a guy who was just like, "I hope you correct blowing the dance sequence in Episode Five <laughs> in Episode Six. He's basically saying that the, the the path we went down for the final music video in Episode Five, which was a tribute to sort of the front two four two, which a lot of people picked up. Yeah, by the way, it was awesome. just like because it's Duke's trip was different. Because in, because Duke's journey as a Jedi is different. That's again, we're slaves to the source material. Empire is a darker film. Uh, there is no brighter ravey dance off like footage to work with. So it's like Duke's uh, experience with midichlorians is drastically different, and it's darker. You know, it's like he's he's not. It's not for him. Yeah, yeah. In the way that like you know. People have bad reactions to alcohol that other people don't. It's just, you know, it's the same kind of thing. We understand where if we establish a certain format uh, that people would expect that format. So dance fights have become a part of that format, but we did Jedi party. So, you know, we want to do something different with the end and, and show that that different type of uh, scene differently. And, you know, the whole midichlorian trip, you can imagine maybe that Vader and Duke did have a dance dance fight, but it was a little kind of gross yeah. <laughs> because Duke wasn't really feeling it. So. I don't know if you guys caught it either though. There's a, at the very end of that, that sequence, Duke quadruples his, his flip power. <laughs> it happened and he did it right in front right in Vader's <laughs> face who completely failed to quadruple his flip power. <laughs> so coming back to that end video, it was definitely an homage to front two, four, two and other kind of industrial tracks we're fans of, of all those those guys. Um, and the Angel Spit remix, check it out. Um, the album is now available, and we're really proud of it. Uh, yeah, go go check that out. We're going to be releasing the Angel Spit track as a separate video on our channel. Yeah, we really want to we really want to promote uh, Angel Spit too, just because they like they were like a dream collaborator. And uh, yeah, they 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 he he just came forward with all these great ideas too. He was just like, I'm super excited to be a part of this. Here's some suggestions. Here's an extra track you can pump if you want. No, you know. Put it wherever you want. Yeah, he's great. Um, and he's been blasting it out to his fans, too. So that was a really great. Uh, I'm glad he, he came through and worked out. And that track is just nuts. <laughs> I yeah, love it. We, we really we loved working on that that track. So, yeah, thanks again to everybody for all of the incredible support. Keep sharing the video. You know, we want to get get it out to as many people, share that comedy with as many people as possible. It makes us really happy to uh, to know that people are laughing and uh, it's making their day. So you guys are making our day. Let's you want to move on to some entertainment stuff? 
probably the best movie we've either one of us has caught in theater in a long time is is Arrival. Yeah, let's talk about Arrival. Yeah. So we like to shit on things, but in today's episode, we're just going to keep it positive. I don't <laughs> see. Here's the thing: I don't want to shit on things. But I want things to be good. <laughs> like I'm not one of those guys that's like hating hating on stuff is edgy yeah, and cool. We don't, we don't even need that. I want, we don't even need no, that. No, I like that. <laughs> but so like when a movie like Arrival comes out and you're just like, fuck, yes, finally. Like the movie that I didn't know I wanted is here. Yeah. That Arrival, we, we both are, are huge fans of this film. And I didn't, I'm not really that familiar with Denny Veneuve's work. I don't know if that's how to pronounce his name. But I think it's think Denny Veneuve. Denny yeah. Veneuve. I believe he's French. Um, Probably I should look that up before I open my mouth. <laughs> well, we can check that out. He's a foreigner. But, he, but this, and he is, is, of course, directing the Blade Runner sequel. So I've had some reservations about the Blade Runner sequel. But now that I know that it's Denny Veneuve, I, I think it's going to probably be awesome. Well, yeah, now that we've seen what he can do, it's like uh, he's on it. Perfect. Yeah. Because he's his film language is so reserved, patient, and and, and it delivers. Like yeah. his, he's dedicated to his setups and he's not in any hurry to like conform to any like I don't know. You just watch the arrival; <laughs> it messes with you yeah. in a way that I wish we could talk about. But it's like I don't. It's such a out of any like spoiler warning. This is the most. So why don't we say going forward that here's a big spoiler warning. If you if you haven't seen the film and are interested in seeing it, you can skip ahead to about 35 minutes, and uh, from there on, we're spoiler free. Give the exact time. Yeah. yeah. But it's uh, but what the film does. It manages to be an, a sci-fi art film, and it's like it's really heartfelt. And it, if you're not moved by this film, then I, I question your status as a human being. Like honestly, <laughs> I really do. I was at it. I was. I'm gonna call this out too because it really irritated me. I was at Thanksgiving with my girlfriend's family. There were guests over, and I recommended that film. They're like, "What movies are out?" I'm like, "Go see Arrival." And there was a woman there, and she just goes, "Oh, I didn't like that movie." I was like, "Huh." What didn't you like about it? And she goes, you know, I think it's because there wasn't enough action. And I was like, this was not advertised as an action movie. What what were you expecting? And she started to talk about it. I'm like, you need Independence Day 2. That's what you're – that movie was made for you. Uh, you're not the target demographic. And then, she, and then she went off and just further discredited herself. She's like, I actually didn't like Mad Max Fury Road either. I'm like, why would you even say that? Are you just messing with me right now? Where did that come from? And I was like, forget everything. And the guy that I was suggesting the movie to goes, oh, she said enough. I'll go see Arrival because she's clearly nuts and, and you're the more, more trusted source. Um, but anyway, yeah, so this film is like super heartfelt. There's a lot of setups in there. I think the, the core of the movie, without getting too spoilery, is that the way we uh, communicate with each other is, is influences the way our brains work. Yeah, well, the the, the, the example that they give in the... I mean, I guess this is we're going into major spoiler ter- yeah. territory here. Uh, but the the idea that uh, when you learn uh, a language that is secondary to your native language, it forces your brain to reconnect in different ways and then think differently uh, as a result, conceptually uh, and in, and in other ways. And in this film, the idea is that by learning to communicate in this other language that is given to us by this alien race. It's forcing us to see time differently, and so it's sort of uh, a gift from them. But there's, you know, the idea is that there's confusion about what the motives are of these aliens, and that process of trying to trying to bridge that gap with the uh, the gap in communication. 
with them. And it's it's incredible, and really. So, yeah, and so the setup is that Amy Adams is a, is a linguist, and so she's brought in once these aliens land to, like, and there's teams set up around the world, and it's sort of like a race to, to and they're working with each other and, you know, and sort of against each other at the same time to, like, be the first to successfully crack the code and communicate. And it really, the film does an amazing job at setting up the actual, like, what the process might be like if you had to start from ground zero with something that is not human, but you can talk, but they can, they understand that, you know, they have consciousness and self-awareness. And it's, it's, and everything from the sound design to the score. Well, the score, we can talk about the score in a, in a sec, but, uh, because I love the, yeah, you're right. I love the score so much, but, but the thing that's kind of fun about the film is that, you know, within the film, there's this concept of, the idea of your perceptions changing based on learning something like a new language. But the film itself makes you feel differently about films. So the language of the film that Veneuve is using <coughs> makes you think differently well, about how films are constructed. So there's this really super meta quality to the film that is kind of they, astonishing. They actually use your established knowledge of the language of film to trick you. And that's that's kind of all we, we should say on it. But it's, yeah. it's but after it's done, you're just like, ah, oh, you mad geniuses yeah. what have you done to me <laughs> it's it kind of shifts your awareness a little bit but at, i think at the end of the day too the overall message if we had to get into like deep film school subtext is is empathy it's like learning how to feel and, and think uh, like how someone else does putting yourself in someone else's place and, and changing the, your the way you think which is kind of like why the other reason why i really love this movie because it's kind of what we need now as like yeah, people yeah overall it's just a little more empathy you know? right so it's and um, and as you know and of course always always sci-fi is one of our favorite genres when it comes to those kinds of messages and that's and you've heard us say it before but good sci-fi should be a reflection of and, and speak to the times that it's it's made in you know that's why we've joked about it in the past but that's why a robocop remake didn't work today because robocop was an, a, a commentary on reagan era 80s you know it's yeah. like that's it was specifically made for that time so the score to arrival right let's talk about that we're, we're big music guys right we're uh, score hounds so the score, uh, what I found most refreshing about the score was that composers can oftentimes overly telegraph uh, scenes. And um, also, like, lead you. Like, here's how you're supposed to be feeling right now. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's where, you know, something like The Hobbit, where for, for whatever it's worth, you know, in terms of a film, the, you know, Howard Shore is an incredible composer, and he's, he's deserved every Academy Award he's, he's won he's, and been nominated for. He's incredible. But something like The Hobbit, um, you know... It, the, the score is so overly telegraphed, it becomes distracting. Like, every time you see the ring, like, literally on screen, when you see it, you hear the ring theme. Every time Legolas <laughs> appears, you hear the elf theme. And every time Bilbo, you know, starts talking, you hear the Hobbit theme. It's, like, insanely telegraphed to a point where you're like, what is going well, on Well, another here? good example. It leaves you no room to experience something just on at your own flow because the music is like no you need to be experiencing this right this second you know and it's um it's i think i think another good example is like a lot of times christopher nolan is like there's like a running joke that like he's he's a very technical minded person but it's like as far as heart goes he, it's he has trouble con communicating through heart and that's what Hans Zimmer's there for <laughs> Hans Zimmer is there to tell you that you're what emotion you're supposed to be feeling in this 
highly technical scene. And so yeah. that's that's another example of that. But, the, but, yeah, but Zimmer's scores do do some heavy lifting for sure. Yeah. Uh, but 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 in Arrival, yeah, it's there. There's something just absolutely beautiful about the score that doesn't, you know, aside from a couple moments that where it's completely warranted with a bit of a heavier score. It's this sort of innocuous score. Somewhere. Well, it's there to do what a score does, which is prop up the visuals and like, because the score a lot of time isn't like music. It's it's just tones and and you said it really well. It convinces it conveys both awe and horror of the unknown at the same time in a way that's like totally assists what happens yeah. without like telegraphing or leading you to and much. it's extremely ambient the 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 music does not uh sit off oftentimes the 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 score does not sit in a place that is overly dissonant or overly uh melodically uh, or melodious it just kind of pokes your 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 mind a little bit it sort of hints at something uh mysterious and just lets you sit there, sit with it. And if uh, I'm being honest, it, it kind of you feel it in your bones at, at times. Go go watch the theater. That clip is from the score to Arrival by Johan Johansson. The eponymous name of that track is Arrival. Check out Arrival, buy the score. Give every aspect of that film your money. Yes. I mean, honestly, coming back to Blade Runner, it has me super stoked for Blade Runner because when you think about all the classic things about that, the Vangelis score, the beauty of the cinematography and the sort of flow of the film, if, if it's anything like the way uh, Veneuve handled Arrival, it could be a great, great film. Yeah. You know? You know, as you may have realized by now through episode five, we're fans of Blade Runner, so that's going <laughs> to... And that wasn't the first time we've used Vangelis either. Yeah, that, no, that goes way of, back to our uh, first Creepio like supplementary, supplementary video, the anti-smoking PSA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's our that's our big... That's the movie that we've loved yeah. recently. Shows that we love, uh, by the way, we're a little late on this one. It's been recommended to us just because of, I think, people that like it are also like our stuff. Uh, but we got on board with Rick and Morty, which is that show, man. If you haven't watched that yet, go. <laughs> Rick and Morty is a great, great science fiction animation. They, uh, yeah, they, they nail, like, sometimes they take, like, they, they tackle, like, obvious parody stuff. But the way they handle it and where they take it is always the, the right way <laughs> it's yeah. hard to explain but that show is both equal parts like it's not it's not like a lot of the problem i have with modern animation is it's just mean there's no heart to it and that this show has it man and and the, the more it develops the more there it's so it's almost i feel like the same thing is happening with their show that happened with our star wars franchise it started out as a one-off goof and there's just random gags and then they started to make more episodes and they're like man these characters are developing we need to like either bail on this or dedicate ourselves to it and actually develop these characters and they're they're nailing it so it's yeah season three is supposed to come out 
I don't know. Now I'm now that I'm caught up, I'm in with everybody else now. It's like there's all these conspiracy theories about where season three is. Um, and again, I feel similar to these guys where they're like, it's coming. Don't worry about it. And people take that as like something bad is going on and it's never going to happen. So, yeah, check out Rick and Morty. So I think um, we're going to be posting uh, a lot more videos coming up. Uh, we might have a little break around Christmas time. The holiday time. The holiday times. <laughs> but uh, but we will continue Putting to be posting. Putting the Chris back into Christmas. <laughs> what? <laughs> so we're, we're, uh, we're working on a possibly new series called Arlnaut's Best Guess. We don't know where that's going yet. We're going to just uh, see. We have a couple things lined up for that, but we'll, we'll see. We're going to be busting into episode six. We got more Kylo Ren coming, so look out oh, for that. You're not even ready for the Kylo Ren stuff. <laughs> the Kylo Ren's. <laughs> you know, keep keep your eye out for, for that. And we're going to just continue to make stuff. We'll can keep the podcast going. And uh, more updates soon. Yeah, and there's going to be, and as usual, check out all of our supplementary helpful stuff. We got our Patreon pages kicking. There's cool stuff available over there with more cool stuff on the way. Uh, for example, a lot of people are asking about M. Night Shyamalan deleted commentary. That is available on Patreon because we cannot show it on YouTube. So <laughs> they provide us with alternate methods to allow people to see that. So yeah. there's benefits over there that uh, for, for helping you to help us help you. <laughs> <laughs> To quote the great Mr. Palpatine. Right on. Uh, Spreadshirt. Got some cool t-shirts over there. Yeah. I gotta get some new t-shirts. Yeah, we need some. From, uh, I want to stock up on some of those. We got we got to get some new t-shirts in there. There's a lot of great ideas. Yeah, we've seen some great great ideas in the comments for, for some t-shirt ideas. Uh, going to Cloud World to get shit-faced. Yeah. <laughs> One of them. <laughs> it's a very yeah. situational t-shirt. You can't wear that everywhere. It's not, <laughs> not for school. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else. We'll just end this shit with an outro jam. Here we go. It is. Woo! <laughs>